welcome to the fourth episode of Fintech for the People Season 2. I'm Ami Parbu, your host and managing partner of Axion Venture Lab. This podcast is produced by Axion Venture Lab, a leading early-stage venture capital fund that invests in companies bringing affordable, well-designed financial products to underserved communities around the world. In this season, we're showcasing six of our portfolio companies, all of whom are leveraging embedded finance to close the massive $5 trillion gap of financing to small businesses. Embedded finance is really revolutionary in many ways. It's the way financial services are being offered seamlessly in everyday experiences. So far in our previous episodes of this season, we've already talked to three founders innovating in this space, from embedded tech providers like Kunda in Africa and Pakistan, and Fairbank in Indonesia, to new marketplaces like Agrim, connecting agri-retailers to financial and non-financial services in India. Today, I'm excited to welcome Michael Moreland, CEO and co-founder of Field Intelligence. Field makes the pharmaceutical supply chain radically simple, affordable, and effective. They do this by providing a platform for data-driven supply chain management, distribution services, and embedded financial services, all for small pharmacies across Africa. It's great to have you with us today, Michael. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, before we dive into the essence of field and what it is you do, I'd love to know more about your journey and how you found yourself as an entrepreneur. My entrepreneurial journey really began from university, actually. I went to an engineering school. I went to Georgia Tech, where I studied economics and policy, but I was surrounded by brilliant engineers that were developing all kinds of cool technologies. And I was really taken by the power these technologies might have in the economy, but also specifically in Africa, where I had been uh, studying and focused my attention. And yeah, what I found that had been sort of missing from you know, the engineering and the technology capability was finding some way to the imagination and the creativity to, to turn those technologies into products and, and services, really commercialize them into things that could really make a big impact in emerging markets. And so started a company called Cedar uh, in Atlanta to take a whole portfolio of these technologies and build commercialization strategies that would do something important in emerging markets. And we focused on a range of things from housing to healthcare and eventually spun off a, a business to, to really develop out an entirely new line of cold chain equipment using new materials technologies and new engineering approaches that would end up becoming a, a whole new generation of equipment to keep vaccines and other temperature-sensitive biologics at the appropriate temperature in emerging markets. And yeah, this was a fantastic bridging of really the latest engineering and science uh, and, and manufacturing with a really important cause and getting really directional about what we do with those capabilities. And that journey truly really started from the engineering side, brought me to Africa and Asia for the first time to work on the product development and eventually the field trials for those products, where in the process, of course, built a company and built great products and eventually sold that company to a manufacturer in Europe to finish the commercialization. But in the process, sort of fell in love with the very, very difficult, very, very important problems that health systems face in Africa. Uh, just enormous scale, enormous importance, and yet facing really fundamental operational problems. And so I was really taken by that and took sort of a sabbatical from, from the startup world and entrepreneurship to go back and learn public health and learn how these systems work. So I 
took a job with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. They sent me back to Africa. I spent years working in sort of across West Africa, just learning how these big systems work to the point where, fast forward, to the point where I had a point of view and ideas for what the next business would do in those markets, specifically for those those causes. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey, but entrepreneurship, of course, has played a big role. That's amazing and, and, and also unique in the sense we don't always see hardware engineers kind of moving into then the, the software and the heavy operational side of fintech. So we'll have to dig into that a little bit more. But maybe you could tell us about those problems that you were starting to see in the health systems when you were working for the CDC, you know, and, and, and then tell us about how Field is trying to solve those problems. Yeah, well, I think the, the problems at the time are things that we all know about now in the public consciousness when we've seen the, the COVID vaccine rollout and how you might have the right medical or scientific answer, but you really need the operational and the you know everything, all roads come back to supply chain in the end. And this is especially true in Africa where supply chains themselves are fairly underdeveloped. Things are not as digitized and as online. And so what I found across the range of different health interventions that I was working on for the U.S. government in, in Africa was that everything came back to supply chain. And my first company had worked on the physical products in that supply chain, but very quickly developed an appreciation for both the uh, the information system behind that supply chain. And the supply chain is, is as much about data as it is about the physical products and about the financing. It's the information, the money, and the products. And there was really a big movement around this at the time. It wasn't just me. A lot of the big agencies and government, and specifically the government of Nigeria, really developed this ethos that without product, there is no health program. You have to be able to keep things on the shelves, keep things in the refrigerators if you expect to treat people and keep people healthy. And so, yeah, it was right there on the ground in Nigeria when a big movement began to really focus on transforming the supply chain as a strategic way to strengthen health systems at scale. And so... Yeah, I've seen that both now in the public and the private sectors, a similar set of supply chain and distribution challenges. And you mentioned vaccines, but you know this goes far beyond vaccines, right? Maybe you can speak to the, the set of products that are challenging given the supply chain issues you saw in Nigeria. And who are those main players in the health system? Who is it that you know are critical players to serve and help solve these problems for? Yeah, uh, it's certainly more than vaccines. Vaccines are particularly challenging given that they've got temperature sensitive other issues with their distribution. But but no, this is you know, the finance and the, the information challenges are affect every product that flows through it. And so, in fact, one of the big initiatives that I was a part of the strategy in developing in Nigeria and now with Fields are a key partner in serving is the integration of all the different individual supply chains into one health supply chain. So now in Nigeria, our services help integrate and manage the uh, integrated supply chain across seven different national health programs covering thousands of different kinds of products. And so now this is very much a a common problem that affects every corner of care. And as far as the big players go, like much of the economy in across Africa, the government is still an enormous part of the economy as it is in the healthcare system. The government run health systems are enormous. They provide primary care and a whole lot of other services to the majority of the population. And so there is a quickly growing and rapidly evolving private healthcare sector, of course, but the government is still an enormous part of that. And when we began our our work with Fields, 
our first client was the government and it continues to be our largest client today. All right, let's take a quick break. At Axion Venture Lab, we look for startups that are leveraging new technologies, data, and analytical tools to serve underserved populations around the world. We support cutting-edge startups in embedded finance, as well as the intersection of financial services and other core sectors like health or education. And Field is one of them, working at the forefront of fintech and health tech. We at Axion Venture Lab are proud to be on this journey with Michael and the team to make the pharmaceutical supply chain in Africa more seamless and affordable. Now back to the episode. Maybe you could then tell us a bit more about Field and what Field does. Yeah, so we started Field in 2015. We began actually as a SaaS company to provide the kind of software and technology services that we saw were holding back supply chain, health supply chains from reaching their full potential. The need to digitize operations end to end was really not possible with a a commercially available off the shelf kind of ERP system that it would need to work really robustly offline in really difficult contexts with users who are not expert in using big complicated systems or even uh, spreadsheets. The front end, the back end both have to be rebuilt in order to really extend a, a powerful information system throughout. And then healthcare is also full of very unique requirements. There's there's special indicators or special ways that things are measured, the ways things need to be handled, the way you manage inventory is different. And so we built very specific healthcare business analytics and, and reporting workflows on top of that. And so we started off with that SaaS product to help government complete that integration of its health supply chain in Nigeria and rapidly digitize and begin to then optimize its distribution Today, that system serves some 35,000 hospitals and clinics across the country, a billion dollars of of health commodities moving through it. It's an enormous success case for the government. And then for us, we're very proud to be the technology partner behind it. But very quickly, we realized that to work in the private sector to extend the solution, the technology solution we built to serve those in the the private sector, which are largely community-based retail pharmacies who are really the cornerstone of access to primary care. Government is, of course, there and provides a public health sort of safety net, but but people's day-to-day experience is, uh, they say that some 80% of people across Africa go first to their first port of call is their corner pharmacy for any kind of care. It's the entry point to the rest of the health system. And so to provide value there and begin to address a very similar set of supply chain problems that they faced, we realized that just providing a software solution is not going to be enough. We realized that distributors, any kind of distributor, really serves two functions. You have to provide for the physical logistics of the products and you have to provide some sort of financing, sort of, you know, finance the product from the manufacturer to the to the retailer. That's the whole function of a distributor. And the challenges that retailers face and that manufacturers face in Africa are so enormous, so different. And yet distributors, we felt, we're not doing enough to help overcome those challenges. And so specifically, very, very fragmented market with very, very poor visibility and, and, and use of data to really understand how much product we need, and where it needs to be, when. And then, of course, it's extremely expensive, if accessible at all, financing for, for retailers. And so what we sought out to do then was to be more than just a software company. We built on top of the software an entire fulfillment and financing set of, of, of operations that could allow us to, to jump into the value chain 
and be more than just a tech provider, but really be a totally different kind of pharmaceutical distributor and partner to the manufacturers and the retailers that we were serving. Yeah. One of the things that's really exciting about Field is this deep focus and this deep understanding of a vertical, you know, small pharmacies and really others in that health supply chain. We're seeing this kind of trend around verticalization happen in tech. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, what are the the benefits? How have you really differentiated Field because you are so focused on pharmacies, I assume there are others who are, you know, broader focus offering solutions to small businesses, pharmacy owners. I think that's right. That's something that we're very proud of, that we are very committed to, to healthcare and the whole value chain there. And I think it's necessary. I think if you look at the profile of a typical retail pharmacy, they look like a small business, and they are, and they share those challenges. But on top of it, it's a regulated space. And the complexities of pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical catalog are enormous. The shelf life is often tighter. Expiries are very, very high. There's a very, very long tail in terms of the total catalog, thousands and thousands of products and and molecules to manage. As an industry, it's very slow to change. So it hasn't benefited from a lot of the broad investments such as you might see in food or consumer goods. It's still quite far back. And so And we felt that given the complexities and the opportunities, that it was really important to build a brand that could really become expert at managing those complexities. And I think in doing so, you can get very close to the client. You have a much deeper relationship with them, and you're able to provide a lot more value. And and that closeness to them is, of course, another way to understand and manage risk. And when you've begun to understand the client and the market very well, you can view risk very differently. And, And your view on that risk becomes proprietary. And in that, you can begin to share in that risk and begin to increase the reward out of it. And so that's why when we began, we started this this service, which today is the cornerstone of our service called Pays You Sell Subscriptions. And so this is a consignment service that allows the pharmacy to outsource all of the supply chain function, all of the planning, fulfillment, and financing, and they only pay for what they sell. And it is a great working capital solution. It's actually an alternative to traditional inventory finance. And the only reason that we can manage that inventory risk and the credit risk is that we understand the industry so well and that we can get very directional on the products that we choose to include in our formulary and our ability to feel confident taking really well well understood risks. So I think that that directionality of our focus has been key to unlocking a lot of value for the retailer, but also for us. It sounds like also really important as you talk about risks to then thinking about becoming a fintech, which you guys are. I don't know if you ever envision yourself as becoming a fintech founder when you came into the space so deep in in the health systems and public health. But that's another piece that's really exciting about what you do is you offer a lot of value to your pharmacies, not just through the supply chain solutions and technology, but the embedded finance offering. Can you speak a bit more about this pay as you sell? You know, why is embedded working capital so critical for pharmacies? Why aren't they able to get it anywhere else? Yeah, well, I think it, for retailers especially, all of the, the cash in that business is tied up in stock on the shelf. And they're not as liquid uh, as, they, as they should be because they put that cash rate back into stock. Because of that, it's, it's very hard to secure financing off of, that, off of that inventory. Banks have a very hard time lending off of movable assets, uh, current assets like that. 
It's something that the banks are not as, as comfortable doing. And the retailer doesn't have any other assets to secure against. And so it really has to, it has to go out and look for unsecured lending, which given the broader context is just extremely, extremely expensive for these retailers. And beyond that, there's very few opportunities in building a, a retail business to build a credit profile. You know, rent is not reported. It's very hard to, to build up a track record and, and just borrow based on the, the credit worthiness of the business otherwise. And so there's sort of two scenarios that, that these retailers find themselves in. They are either paying that really expensive rate from a bank to borrow the money to go and buy product and passing that on to the customer, building it into the cost of the drugs, or they are leaning very heavily on suppliers for trade credit. And in either scenario, they are still subject to what we feel is even a deeper problem, which we've tried to solve through this subscription model, where the complexity of the product and the absence of good data and, and forecasting and demand modeling and these things lead, the ordering process is really faulty. And so when you're just guessing at what you need next, you're always going to end up with too much or too little. So you use those funds you've borrowed to buy stock. And if you buy too much, that cash sits in, on your shelf, it sits idle, you risk expiry. It's not, you know, that cash that sits on the shelf is not paying for employees or paying rent. Uh, and if you, if you didn't order enough, then you've stocked out. You're not able to hit the sales that you need. You're not serving the patient. And you're also not generating enough revenue to cover the operating cost of the business. So, you know, what we've tried to do is solve both the access to finance and the ordering problem at once by using our systems to do that forecasting leveraging all the data we have across the network and removing the cash constraint that would keep not enough stock. And then the result, hopefully, is not only access to, to the inventory, which is what they want, but access to the right amount of inventory that helps the business actually succeed. So that's really been critical. And today, nearly 90% of our, our customers come to us as a source of alternative finance. That's what they see in us. That's what they want from us. And yet with it, they also hopefully have more stock on the shelf, and more chances to treat their patients. And maybe you could say a bit more about how that finance is actually provided, I mean, how the product itself works. And, you know, we're talking about embedded finance for small businesses this season. You know, there's something that's so frictionless and seamless about embedded finance in a way where customers don't even really know that they're taking out a loan or think about it as a loan. Is that true for your customers? How have you designed it? Completely. That's exactly how it is. And, and that's very intentional that they see us as a, as a partner to them, as a supply chain service provider. And the financing that they get is just in the form of product, which is not, we didn't invent consignment or invent vendor managed inventory, but we have definitely modernized it and made it appropriate for this market and capable, to, capable of scaling in this environment, such that today when a retailer joins our shelf life program, there are an initial, there's an initial basket of, of products that we manage. And we take over all of the planning, fulfillment, and finance for those products. And so it's almost as if the pharmacy has outsourced the management of, of that shelf to us. And we make sure the product is always there. And then we bill them for what has been sold. And so this is serving the same liquidity function as it's keeping the stock on the shelf. Uh, it's setting their own cash conversion to zero, uh, nearly equal. And it serves the same working capital function, but for them, it's like a utility service. They flip the switch and the light comes on. You know, they, they sign up to shelf life and the product is on the shelf and they pay for what they use. 
And yeah, it is really a transformative kind of thing for the business. And they don't see it as a, as a loan or as something that they need to necessarily try to game or, or play games with. You know, it's like this is providing a critical function for them. And I'd also just add that the pay-as-you-sell is the cornerstone of the business. It is not now the only way that we provide financing. We have other ways to trade. And our focus has been on coming up with new ways to trade and to finance pharmacy. And so we have obviously more traditional, more trade finance, more days to pay. We have built in more credit functions where the clients can restructure what they owe into uh, trade notes, which then get financed more traditionally over time. And so we've tried to imagine and fill the different use cases we see to make this service the liquidity provider for the whole business. And in the process, we're starting now to onboard balance sheet partners to help with this, where we know a lot about the client, we know their repayment, we know their growth, the ability for us to, to channel in other kinds of financing through this service, all delivered through the app, through this trusted partner is the uh, sort of the next phase of the financing we're able to provide. Yeah, it's incredibly exciting. I think goes back to, again, having that deep focus and deep understanding on a customer allows you to kind of build out that product roadmap when you really understand what their needs are. You know, the Financial Times recently ranked Field among the top 25 fastest growing companies in Africa, which is incredibly exciting. Congrats on that. What was impactful in unlocking such growth? What's been your growth strategy? Yeah, we really saw the industry transform during COVID, of course. I guess everyone did. But I think what happened during the COVID lockdowns and then the supply chain volatility that followed it reified the need for shelf life to our clients in, in our market. I think small retail, and not just small retailers, but also hospitals, clinics, even new telehealth, virtual care clients, everyone has come to us saying, look, the supply chain is complicated. It's expensive. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. And with lockdowns, you can suddenly have your demand cut in half or evaporate overnight. We need a partner to help us with this and to share that risk and we just saw an enormous increase in that time. And we've also focused on expanding the range of products that we offer, providing more value and more kinds of corners of the market. And, and so it's really been very clear today. We have a wait list of over 800 pharmacies waiting to join the platform. We're going as, as quickly as we can to get them on board. But I think that the, the market has seen that there's a need for a partner you can trust in doing this. So there's been a lot of demand that has, has come to us. And, and as I mentioned, uh, it's not just the small corner pharmacy anymore. We now have larger chains who have joined Shelf Life. And we also have clinics and hospitals who have also joined for the same reasons. It's a very similar set of problems. And so, yeah, I think as, as the world's gotten more complicated, people have looked for a partner to help them manage it. Well, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about challenges. Something I know all founders this is probably a question founders all get, but what are some of the things that are keeping you up at night? <laughs> well, all of those, uh, they are the same reasons that our retailers come to us. We need to go solve those problems for them. And so that, that keeps us up at night. We are also, of course, trying to navigate the global supply chain challenges, which has left Africa really short, short stocked on really essential medicines in both Nigeria and Kenya, where we operate. So we've had to really keep investing in our own procurement and sourcing strategies to make sure we can fulfill the brand promise we make to our clients, that we're going to keep their shelves stocked with the right amount. We've also, of course, this is a good problem to have, but we've also been growing very quickly. 
and we have to keep up with that growth ourselves. And so trying to scale the business and make sure that the quality of service is not dropping and that we're able to, to keep up with our clients' own needs. And while there are plenty of operational challenges, the future for field is really very exciting. And so I, th- I think it's worth mentioning that the, the opportunities are still greater than those uh, sleepless nights. Good to hear. Maybe you can actually just share a little bit of that scale. Where is Field today? How many retailers are you serving? How do you kind of measure your your scale? Yeah. So we have today for all of our services, so this is government, public and private, we have, since we started and really got to, to operations in 2016, we've now enabled well over 300 million pharmaceutical interventions. And so that is a lot of drugs getting to patients that we've seen across the network. On the private sector side, with the shelf life service, we have over a thousand pharmacies now that we are managing all of their planning, fulfillment, and finance as a as the supply chain partner. As I mentioned, we've got some 800 on the wait list, and so there's a lot more to get, a lot more to do there. And we are uh, serving them out over uh, 16 cities now in Nigeria and Kenya. And I think in total, we've got about nearly 4,000 different products that we manage today. It's incredible, just the breadth of services you offer. That must take quite a team to manage and help help scale. How have you thought about building that team? And, and especially over the last two years, how have you found the experience of growing that team during a pandemic? Well, we've been really fortunate and the turnover for the team has been really low. People are at field largely because they love the mission and it's a chance to do something really important. And the team itself is really is really wonderful, incredibly diverse team. I think we've got nearly 20 different nationalities on the team. We've got 50-50 gender balance. It's really a lot of great people in one place doing something because they really love it. And turnover's been really low. So we've been able to sustain that momentum and that progress with a team of people who have really learned how to communicate across disciplines and work really well together. So there's a feeling of a lot of momentum with the management team. And that's been really key for us to sustain this kind of work. But yeah, I mean, the number one thing that has happened is we've not been able to move around as much and we're in, we're in multiple countries. And so we've really needed to develop the management and leadership talent in each market. And that's been a big focus of ours. And in Africa, just the average age of the working population is, is young. We have a young team and the need to support smart, eager, very capable team members to become first-time managers, to manage teams, and then to manage teams of teams is very exciting. It is an enormous uh, challenge. And so we have invested quite a bit in trying to make sure that our, our management teams can, can keep developing and growing into the opportunity that is in front of them. But yeah, this is uh, there's a lot more open positions. <laughs> so eager to encourage the listeners to go to our jobs page and apply for some. We'll make sure they're pointing in that direction. Well, last one for you. I mean, especially with this growing team and everything on the roadmap with, you know, additional financial services, new types of customers, new geographies, I imagine. I mean, what what's in the future? Where do you see field in five, 10 years? Yeah, well, today we are still less than 5% of the market in Nigeria and Kenya. There's a, just a tremendous field in front of us to go and build. And so, we are really committed to Nigeria and Kenya for the long run, and that is a lot of market to just go get. Beyond that, we are, as you mentioned, new geographies. The service is, we found from our research so far, really great fit regionally in East and West Africa, but we are also 
planning to get into some new regions in the next two years, particularly into South Africa and into, into North Africa. These are different markets. They're regulated a little bit differently, but the core service model and the core capabilities that Field have built really seem to fit what the health systems there need and that they need a, a partner to jump in and to help solve the challenging supply chain and, and finance challenges. And so, yeah, we see a lot of opportunity there. And I, I guess one exciting product thing is that we are trying to, and have already begun, to engage our manufacturers that we distribute more directly over the platform, giving them more access to the retailers that we support, and really helping connect this value chain through the Shelf Life Network. The brand services and the support we provide, sort of the supplier enablement that we, we focus on, is a really exciting new dimension here. Um, extending even some financial solutions upstream to the manufacturers and helping them reach market more affordably. Also, we find that manufacturers in Africa, the domestic manufacturers, are growing at some twice the speed on shelf life than the big multinationals are. And so really helping them keep up with that growth and unlocking that growth for new manufacturers and working with those in North Africa, and Eastern Europe. We find so many great manufacturers wanting to get to Africa for the fast growth, the really dynamic market, but lack the partners to do so. So I think beginning to focus more upstream and how we can connect the African patient to a global range of treatment is really what the future holds here. So exciting. Well, thank you, Michael, for this conversation. It's been really inspiring to hear what you've you've built and what your team is continuing to build. We're excited to be on the journey with you. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Be sure to join us next week for the fifth episode of season two, where we'll speak with Susie Ferreira, CEO of Ginny to discuss the embedded finance solution her company is offering to platforms serving small businesses in Brazil. It's no longer about relationship banking, it's about partnership banking. This is what I want to bring to market. I want SMBs to really feel they have a partner. And you can only be a partner if you know each other, you understand each other, you are there for the good and for the bad times.